0: up y'all and welcome back to found bites a game review series my name is brian and i'll be your host if you don't know about us we're all about testing out and finding small high quality video games this is a podcast that aims to respect your time and money as a gamer and a consumer by sifting through storefronts and sales to find the gems that may be worth your precious resources if you're interested in reaching out or helping out Feel free to email us at foundbytesgrs at gmail.com, tweet at foundbytesgrs, and also rate and subscribe to us on whatever podcast feed you're using. Also, don't be afraid to leave some comments. If you're a developer who would like to participate in our Spotlight interview series of special episodes, please reach out through any of our channels. We would love to hear from you. But enough about the show. Let's get into our next game. Signalis is the game for this week's episode. Signalis is a survival horror game and some comparable games. Lamentum is one that's very similar, which we've done before. Resident Evil 2, The Evil Within, Dead Space. So you're definitely seeing a theme here. But it also pulls a lot from Nier Automata, Control, and Returnal. And I'll talk about those connections. The game was originally released in October of 2022 on PC, Switch, Xbox One, and PS4. The game was developed by Rose Engine, which is a small team, a two-person team, Yuri and Barbara, and they work out of Germany, so shout out to them, because the two of them put this entire game together. The game was published by Humble Games, and so we have definitely seen them before. They published Hat in Time, Dodgeball, Academia, Void Bastards. The game had a physical release in February of 2023, and that was done through Humble Games. And they made it available to pretty much every major retailer, like Best Buy, Amazon. And it actually came with like a Polaroid picture that was kind of a bonus. And that was for Switch and PS4 only. The game released with an MSRP of $19.99. Those physical editions with Humble Games, the PS4 version $29.99, and the Switch version is $34.99. So We've seen that price difference between PS4 and Switch. And the game actually launched on Xbox Game Pass, and as of this recording, it is still available on there. So if you have Game Pass, you can play this for free, quote-unquote. Runtime of the game, if you're rushing through just doing the story, you could probably get it done in 10 hours, maybe even less. But if you're trying to do everything in the game, maybe get all the weapons, solve all the puzzles, could take you north of 15, potentially. Me, I got this game on PS4, for $15.99 on sale, and I put in 14 hours, and I did beat the game. I wanted to get the Platinum Trophy. There is a Platinum Trophy, but there is one of the trophies that's behind a difficulty level, and I didn't catch it until later, and so it's the only trophy I don't have, so pretty frustrated about that. In terms of recommendations, uh, no one recommended it to me. I hadn't heard of this game. I actually saw a Twitter release about the physical edition, and I saw a picture of it and so that's kind of how it got on my radar but I am definitely a big survival horror game person so I wanted to jump in <laughs> Let's talk gameplay for Signalis. So this is a survival horror game. The camera is like a top-down isometric camera. It's very similar to Lamentum. And let's go through the basic move set. So your character can walk around, and it's pretty basic. You can move with the joystick, and you can hold a button to run. Your character is minorly clunky, I would say, but nothing that's really out of the realm of what you probably experienced in this genre of game. There is an aim mechanic where you pull up your gun and then you'll see a laser kind of go around and you can move the other joystick to move it. And you'll be interacting with a lot of different things. So a lot of them are going to be objects or items. Some of these may have like a highlighted box come up around them. There are going to be a lot of doors that you're going to interact with, ladders, NPCs that you're going to talk with. And just in general, like you can go up to things and press a button and kind of talk to yourself. In terms of traversal, most of your traversal is going to be going from room to room or floor to floor, whether it's through doors or through ladders or through staircases and things like that. You'll interact with a lot of doors. Most of them you can open. Sometimes they'll be locked. There'll be different types of locks. Like some will be like, hey, you require this key. Or some will say, like, you need to open it from the other side. And then a lot of doors are going to be just blocked, like barricaded, or like they don't work. Basically, just means like you can't go that way. And all these rooms and places are going to populate on the map screen. So you can hit a button, pull up the map. And basically, you can see a room once you've gone in it. So When you go in a room, it'll pop up on the map and it'll show you all the possible doors or exits from that room. These are primarily going to be squares and rectangles. Sometimes they'll be like a bent elbow or a long hallway or something like that. But what's interesting is that the room will show you all the possible doors. And if you approach them and the icon comes up for you to interact with that door, it'll also populate on the map. So on the map, the doors, if you haven't interacted with them, will just stay gray, the same color as the room. But once you go up to them and acknowledge what can be done with it, there'll be a color indicator on your map. So if it's blue, that means you can pass through it. If it's red, that means it cannot be accessed. And if it's yellow, that means it's locked, which could mean that you need to find a key or you need to open it from the other side. You're going to encounter a lot of safe rooms. And this is not a surprise in survival horror games. When you go to a safe room, there will be an icon on the map. It's like this little red box. And when you're in a safe room, there's a bunch of things you can do. So you can save. There's like this little computer with a red screen and all you have to do is go up to it and when it's highlighted with a box, you just click it. There are four save slots that you can use and you can overwrite them an unlimited amount of time so it's not like Resident Evil, like some of the early ones where you have a limited number of saves or anything like that. Also in the safe rooms, you might find items or different things to interact with and you'll be able to manage your inventory. In the safe room, you'll have a storage box, and this is just like any other survival horror. It's kind of like a magic box. It can hold an unlimited amount of things, and any safe room you go to will access that same storage box. There are some limitations for items that stack, so ammo and like health items. There is a max to their stack, and I'll talk about that when we talk about items. In terms of their placement, I think there's really good frequency with the safe rooms and they're fair distance away. There were a couple times where I was kind of in the middle of two. And so you have the option of saying like, oh, I could go to this safe room or this safe room. So again, very similar to Lamentum where I've had that experience. And also as you're traversing, you'll have different kinds of sequences and we'll talk about the progression, uh, but sometimes you'll have sequences where you have like a first person view and you're interacting with things. All right, let's talk items and inventory. Interacting with objects, like I said, for the most part, you're going to see like the four corners of a box kind of highlight an item when you get close to it. There are two main types. One is like notes or lore. Like you might come up to a note or it might be a book or something like that. And basically, this is like lore that'll go in your lore book. So once you read it for the first time, you access it and then it goes into your lore book. So you don't actually have to pick it up or have to like go back to it to read it again. And finding all these is really useful because you'll get information about the world, maybe information about how to progress, maybe information about how to solve certain puzzles. So all that's really helpful for a lot of context. And then the other type is you're gonna find these inventory items. So basically items that you can put in your inventory or put in the storage box. And you have a limited inventory on your person. You can only hold six things. And so the types of things that you might come across, weapons, and you can load ammo into the weapon. So for example, the pistol holds 10 bullets. The pistol with 10 bullets only takes up one space in your inventory. You may find extra ammo, and that does stack. But depending on the ammo for the particular gun, it might have a maximum that's different. Health items also you'll find, uh, and these also have a max stack depending on the different type of health item. You will find a lot of progression items, Or keys some quite literally some not literally and you'll find secondary items or weapons uh, that also have like a max stacking what's interesting about the keys whether literal keys or otherwise uh, they're single-use so once you use a key to open a door or once you use an item to open something it'll be gone from your inventory so you don't have to worry about it taking up space or Like, what do I do with this after I use it, or will I need to use this again? Once something is used, it's only used once, and then it's gone. So it's really helpful for that for many reasons, but mainly conserving inventory spaces. Something else that you can do in your inventory is combine items. And this is similar to uh, games like Lamentum and Resident Evil. These can have story implications, puzzle implications. So when you look at your items in your inventory, you can actually go over them and you can examine them, inspect them, like rotate them, and then there'll be a little blurb on the side. So it'll kind of give you clues in the description if it can combine with something or if it's missing something. For example, like multiple times you'll find tape and you'll have an item that clearly needs to be taped and then you just combine them in the inventory. So there's simple things like that, but then there are certainly more complex uh, ones that might give you a little more time or a little more pause. In terms of managing inventory, this might take up a lot of your mind space as you're playing this game. You can put items in your storage, but when you're full and you're not near storage, you can only destroy things. So you can't drop items. So you have to take your time when you're picking things up and really manage your inventory in terms of what you could leave there, what you want now. And anytime you interact with an item that you can pick up in your inventory, the game will ask you if you want to pick it up. So it's not just like you pick it up and don't quite know what it is yet. Other ways to manage inventory. So if you have room in the clip for your gun and you have extra ammo in your inventory, like you can reload and then it'll take that ammo that's taking up a space. You may find yourself doing a lot of runs to safe rooms to spill out your inventory or make space for things. This is something I did a lot in Lamentum. I did a lot in Resident Evil 2. I'm very OCD about this. Like, I will not progress the game just so I can get all the items in a room, even if I have to do, like, three runs back to a safe room. That's how I play. Not everyone has to play that way, but I'm I'm very compulsive about that. But in terms of advice, I would suggest like whenever you leave a safe room, to always have like two to three spots in your inventory open, just in case. In terms of item distribution in the game, I never found that I lacked in health items, and there are a bunch of different types. It is possible that you run out of ammo. This is survival horror resource management, so if you just sit there and shoot all your bullets, I'm pretty sure there are a limited number of bolts in the game. So you might want to use that sparingly. In terms of progression and how you progress through this game, a lot of times you're going to have these bottleneck points or choke points where basically you need to access a certain door or an elevator that's in a particular area or on a particular floor. And so a lot of what you're doing is sort of the means to an end to get open that door. And you do that by finding required items, finding specific keys... Uh, You might even need to find key codes. And so there's a lot of puzzling elements, and sometimes it's very small, sometimes it's very basic, sometimes it's more kind of overarching. And these puzzles are going to involve things like item combinations, like we talked about before. It might be you finding something to interact with a particular mechanism on a wall. It might involve you reading through some of the lore, not that extensively. But I like that there's a real variety here with how you solve certain things or how you get past certain things. And I also like the frequency of it. In all honesty, I only had to look up a puzzle maybe once or twice for the most time. Like, I was kind of flying through, especially with the item combinations. What I found was that I would just get a lot of items and just like combine them and open things up in my inventory on my own and not even know what the key was for or not even know what the item was for. So I found that I had things ready even before I needed them. So a lot of these puzzles and items are going to be things in your inventory. Some of them are going to be things you're going to interact with in particular rooms. And the map is really good about this because when you go into a room that has like a mechanism or puzzle in a room, it'll have an indicator on the map for it. And if you haven't solved it, I'm pretty sure it's like outlined in red, but once you solve it, once you open it, it'll kind of fade away and just be black. So other ways that you'll kind of progress the story or know that you're progressing is you're gonna find some NPCs and you're gonna talk to them. Sometimes it's just in passing, but sometimes it might initiate like a cutscene. Sometimes there might be like flashbacks. Sometimes this may also initiate an FPS sequence. So these three things are sometimes what are gonna segment with something opening or going to a new area. And multiple times in this game, it will segment the chapters. I think maybe twice in the game, there's like a point where you won't return to something before. So just be aware of that. I think the game is pretty good at letting you know when that's going to happen. But most of the game is going to be one major location, like most of the middle meat of the game. There are also bosses. There's not that many, and they're pretty varied in their mechanisms. But this basically means like you'll be thrown into a room where like you have to defeat this boss to get out. So it'll be kind of like a locked room situation. And other than that, you will have some optional tasks that you can do. Most of these are related to finding and accessing weapons. Like They are optional to get all of the weapons, so you don't need them, but I found it very satisfying to like unlock all of the things because I had the items and so I wanna see what I get. In terms of enemies, I'll say that there's a pretty good frequency overall. There are some rooms that are like super populated with enemies, and there are some rooms that might have one or might have none, but overall I think the distribution is pretty good. When you kill an enemy, the body actually stays there. And if you've played Dead Space, you might know what I'm about to say, which is that sometimes they will revive. And I don't know the frequency or the timing for when it happens. I feel like as I've been playing this game, it has to do with like how many times I've come through a particular room. But sometimes it doesn't work out that way. Most of these enemies are mainly like zombie-like. Uh, they do have varied form and they have different speeds that they move at. They sometimes have defenses. They have varying health and varying attack strength on you. And most of these are going to be melee attack. You may have rare occasions where something is like shooting a gun at you, but for the most part, All of the interactions you're gonna have with enemies in terms of them harming you are gonna be when they're close to you. So let's talk combat because there are a lot of different strategies and a lot of different things that you have at your disposal to deal with enemies. Primarily, you're gonna be aiming a gun. When you hit the aim button, your character will pull up their gun and you'll see this red laser that's kind of moving around if you move the other joystick. And when you point it at an enemy, a red box will show up around them. As the box gets smaller, I am pretty sure that your shot will do more damage. So as they get closer to you, it's like you're getting more accurate. And so if you shoot them from very close, you'll do more damage. You might have to do less shots to kill them. But obviously there's more of a risk of them being closer to do damage to you. Something else that's interesting about the box is that if at any point there's an X over the box, that means there's some kind of obstruction between you and the enemy, whether it's like there's a wall or a pillar or some enemies will actually have shields. So if you keep the aim on them and see whenever that X goes away, be prepared to shoot because it might mean that they put their shield down or they just came out from behind something. There is a reload mechanic that you can do both in the menu and out in real time. In terms of changing a weapon, you have to go into the menu and equip a different weapon. So if you're in a pinch, you can always go to the item menu and just reload and also change your weapon at the same time. You'll also have secondary weapons that are like these consumables. And the way that they work is you can equip them. So you have your gun that you can equip, and then you have another kind of smaller slot for these secondary consumable things. And basically they act as like melee things that'll knock an enemy over. So I think there are two types. There's one that's thermite, and it'll like burn the enemy, and then another is like a stun gun kind of thing, but it's a consumable. And so when you equip them, you have another button that you can use when you're close to an enemy, and you can use it on them. And the goal with enemies is to get them down on the ground. So once they're down on the ground, you actually have to run up, and you have to stomp them. But if you don't stomp them after a certain amount of time, they will get back up, and you'll have to knock them down again. So you don't want to waste too much ammo. It can be tough if you've got a bunch of enemies around you, but I think if you run over and hit the animation to stomp on them, you, there might be like some frames of invulnerability there. So in terms of health and healing, so when you get hit, uh, you'll take damage. But there's not like an HP meter. There's actually like a little EKG monitor in the bottom left that is color coordinated. If it's like this blue, that means you're in the clear. If it starts to get green or yellow or orange, that means you're starting to lose health. And if you go on the menu, there's more of a description of your status. Like it'll have different words. If you're fine, it'll say nominal. It might say caution. It might say warning. When it says warning, that means you're like you're down to your last there. But it's very Resident Evil because it's not like a health bar. It's like this visual indicator that something is different or that you're taking hits. And in terms of accessibility and pacing, there is a difficulty level choice that you can make in this game. I think there are three of them, casual, normal, and survival. Survival is the one that is required for one of the trophies, so I'm so mad because that's the only trophy I'm missing. Having multiple save files is also really good. Again, if you're someone who's super meticulous and like you had a particular encounter that you didn't like how much ammo you used, you can always reload it. I did die a few times, but it was never really at the same encounter, so I feel like once I died, like I kind of learned my lesson, or sometimes I reloaded before I was going to die, again, if I didn't like how the interaction went. In terms of strategies, like I said, you can run and what's good compared to Lamentum is you don't have like a stamina meter so you can just kind of run forever as as you want. There are some slight bugs in the game I feel, like when the indicator around an item for you to interact with it pops up or doesn't. Sometimes I'm like standing right in front of something and like the indicator just goes away and I have to like circle back. So sometimes this can come up even with doors sometimes, so just be aware of that. Alright, let's talk about the vibe. So let's start with the visuals. So the game is very pixelated, but it is also very detailed. And by pixelated, I'm talking about the model that's in front of you, the model that your character is. But what's interesting, the visuals will change. Like I said, there are cutscenes sometimes. Sometimes it'll look at your character and just the bust of them. And again, sometimes there'll be like those FPS sequences. So when you see a lot of these cutscenes, or even sometimes with the bus, it'll kind of look like anime stills. And the same for when there's like a flashback, like cuts to different things. What's also interesting is the game really leans into like the digital side or things being hacked visually. So you'll see like these strange sequences of images sometimes. And sometimes it's like numbers and letters and things like that. Also, sometimes you're going to see a lot of like horror images or nightmare images kind of flashing through just things that... I don't think I could really describe or want to because I don't want to spoil it, but it does take a lot from Lovecraft and even David Lynch. And what's interesting is that the creators actually cite these among many others as part of their influence. In terms of color, black and red are gonna really shine through here. Things are black colored, but in general, the game has some dim lighting, and there's actually a flashlight that you'll get. But as you go through, like the lights on the wall sometimes are red. When you have cutscenes or when you're seeing flashbacks, you're gonna see a lot of red in the backgrounds, just like straight red screen. And so it gives it like a strange kind of alert vibe. In terms of environments, we're gonna talk about things being futuristic, but you're in like these mechanical environments, you're in like this warehouse or this industrial thing, so there's like all kinds of doors that are mechanical and elevators and everything is like sensor-based enemies are kind of strange they're like blurred a bit a lot of the basic enemies like they look like they're just frenetically pulsing as they're sitting there and what's interesting is that sometimes this can be an indicator when uh, an enemy is going to revive but like their faces are blurred they're odd shapes they are vaguely humanoid but some of them are like really tall like oddly tall. That can be a little bit of that Lovecraftian there, and some of the appendages that are on them are sometimes really odd, but you definitely don't get any faces or like, this is a human type vibes, but they do have humanoid figures. Something else you'll see in terms of imagery is like language. So a couple times as you cut through the game in different segments or different chapters, there will be like a boot up screen that has like numbers and letters on it, like a computer is booting up. But what's interesting is in the game, there's a lot of German, like I can see the words in German, but when you like interact with something like it'll have it in English. I think that could be uh, related to the fact that they are in Germany, the developers, like that's where they live. And so I'm sure they speak German and so they write German. So I, I was interested in that because at first I was like, oh, they're German, but then sometimes like in a boot up screen or sometimes when you have these flickering images in terms of horror images or like really fast images happening, you'll see like these, what I would assume are Japanese characters. And so I didn't quite get the connection. And so my mind was kind of wandering and it gave me like a little bit of a man in the high castle vibe, like alternate history, like post-World War II is Germany and Japan. Like, like, is this the futuristic society? So it did kind of throw me off a bit but it really intrigued me and so on top of that in terms of themes and stories there's something obviously futuristic about this androids in the future i don't know if there are any humans in this game and so this pulls a lot from near automata if you've played through that i'm pretty sure everything you interact with is an android or some kind of a robotic humanoid thing as you're gathering lore you're reading these notes these books the lore tends to detail about different model types of these androids and how they behave, like what some of their tendencies are or what you need to be aware of or avoid. But I'm pretty sure you are one of these two, So it's really interesting. And also things about imagery and them having memories. Like you do read some diary entries and it's really interesting how they have memories. Like they're questioning why they have memories. It's really cool because it's very related to a show called Dollhouse, which is a Joss Whedon show. A lot of talk about cycles and time. Um, there's confusion in my mind as I'm watching this in terms of what happened when, like what is the beginning? What is the end? And there's a lot of existentialism about these characters. their sentience. I mean, I had questions, but they had questions as well. There's also the idea of them like loving or being in love. For me, as I'm seeing some of these cutscenes, I'm seeing these interactions, what you're talking with NPCs, reading some of the lore. I'm sitting here thinking, who wrote this? Who wrote these lore? Who is studying them? Who's talking about the different types of androids? Like, it just kind of pulls me out. It's like a breaking of the fourth wall and I really enjoy it. There is also, like for me, like a vagueness of like, what is real, what's a metaphor? And it reminds me a lot of Returnal. If you've played through Returnal, I know it's a newer PS5 game, But, like, what is this? Are these characters real? Is this really happening? So a lot of confusion there, but I love that confusion, that gray. And so it leaves me with a lot of unanswered questions, but also it leaves me without questions. Like, I don't even know what to ask sometimes. In terms of audio, a lot of the sounds you're going to hear are, like, metronomic. And it's also some of the music has, like, this metronomic quality and kind of pulls you in, like, this cyclical... Winding down the drain, like not sure what's going on, what's mundane, what's routine. It does amp up when you get certain encounters, kind of like Void Bastards did. When you're in an encounter, it definitely captures like the direness, feeling like you should make quick decisions or rash decisions or waste ammo. But it's a lot of simple sounds and things that you might hear in horror movies or even in a game like Lamentum that you've probably heard before in terms of enemies and their sounds pretty horrifying a lot of screams like once one of them sees you they scream out and then they all run towards you it really gives that that immersive vibe there Let's wrap up the conversation about Signalis. So I'm a little biased because I am a big survival horror resource management gamer. I really ate this gameplay up. Uh, I think the combat is good. I got the hang of the aiming. I don't think it's what shines in the game. I think getting that feeling of I need to manage my ammo, I need to figure out, like, can I muster up enough courage to run past these enemies so that direness coming through... I love the puzzles, I love racing through them and the inventory and like managing the inventory with that. I didn't think many of the puzzles were that challenging, but there were a couple that kind of stumped me and I was just like over it and I looked it up. Love the setting, love the lore. This whole world that was created is really fascinating. It really gives me vibes of Returnal, of Control, or even like that Blade Runner kind of futuristic. Also a bit cold, a bit empty, a bit lonely. I think this is a game that I'm gonna ponder for quite a bit of time. I'm a bit mad about not being able to get that platinum. I don't wanna have to play through this game all in survival mode, um, but it's one trophy. I'm just so irked. If you're somebody that loved Lamentum or Resident Evil 2 or any kind of survival horror game, you gotta play this game. In terms of value, I like it for $20. I actually might get the physical edition and get that kind of uh, physical bonus thing. But if you're not someone who's a genre vet with these, $15 might be more your speed. So if you want to wait till it's on sale, I think there's a lot of entertainment value, a lot of world building, a lot of existential questions. And this is two people that made this game. And I think that makes it uh, all the more impressive. But great game. I highly recommend it. Alright, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Stay tuned for our next episode to see what new game we found for you.